Hello and welcome to the Christian Reeve podcast, another episode and another interview. Today I have the great honor of interviewing uh, an actual professional wrestler. So for those who aren't aware, I think most of you are aware at this point, I'm a massive wrestling fan, have been for many, many years since I was very young. And uh, yeah, to be able to interview an actual wrestler is something special for me. So yeah. <laughs> our current guest today goes by the name Matt Rivera or Matt Saxon. And he is a professional wrestler, a rapper, an actor, and more recently, a YouTuber as well. Welcome to the show. How you doing? Ah, you, you have done your research. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I don't cut corners, my friend. <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for that wonderful intro. That was that was nice. <laughs> oh, it's, my, it's, my, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Um, now, I'm going to jump right into this because, like I said to you just before, we don't have you for long. So I'm going to do my very best to really just kind of put you over and, and kind of get everyone up to speed with you. Now, we'll start with the... I don't know if what you want to call it elephant in the room. Uh, basically, Matt Rivera kind of came to fame sort of around sort of 2013 when you appeared on TLC's Extreme Cheapskates. Right. And for anyone who doesn't know, this is one of those reality TV shows where they basically just kind of film a bunch of stuff, making you look bad and then kind of laughing at you and stuff. And uh, Normally, you know, I kind of watch these programs and I think like, nah, you know, it is what it is if you like this sort of thing. Right. Um, but I obviously came across this clip and then I came across uh, you, well, Cody Ko and Noel Miller reacting to it as part of their uh-huh. series, That's Cringe. Right. And I kind of felt differently about this because on one hand, I was like, okay, I can see the funny side of it. It is funny. If you watch it, it's like, <laughs> you know if you know anything about professional wrestlers like you know people like Mick Foley and stuff you know that you know trying to save money on the road is a regular thing but you kind of take it to like the nth degree right right <laughs> yeah I've asked you questions about this in in live streams and stuff um but for, for those who, who don't know um obviously you, you did this you agreed to do this now obviously it was a case of you know here's another way to maybe get myself known, get myself out there. You know, you're trying to get signed. Um, I guess one of the questions I wanted to ask you right off the bat is, did you get the TNA audition like through that TV show or was it kind of a sort of thing where like you already were going and they factored that in? Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, That's hard hitting questions right off the bat. I like it. Um, so it was kind of a weird situation. I was training at a few different places at the time. Like, it's weird because I always have to break down the show a little bit. So mm-hmm. in the episode, you see me training with Joel Maximo over in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Now, I've been there a couple of times, but I've trained at a lot of different places. So, you know, a lot of people ask me, oh, that's your trainer. I'm like, well, I have like four different trainers, you know, and I go to all these different places. But obviously the show makes it look like, okay, it's just this, or right. it's only this way. Um, it's just set up in a certain way. But I did have, I was very fortunate that I did have an opportunity in the works. However, I feel like uh, the show maybe sped up that opportunity, if that right. makes sense. So I had something in the works, but uh, once they got on board, it was like, all right, it's definite. And it kind of changed the way it looked. I had a singles tryout as opposed to, you know, them inviting 20 wrestlers to come over and do a tryout. I was going to say, I was very surprised by that because I've heard about tryouts for major companies and stuff. And typically, you know, it will be a behind the scenes thing, or maybe they might even try you out as a dark match on a show or something like that. Um, But like, this was actually, as you say, like a proper match and stuff. Right. And uh, you got like Kurt Angle right there watching you the whole time. I mean, plus the yeah. cameras. I mean, it must be re- really, really nerve wracking and everything. Extremely, extremely. No pun intended with the, you know, extreme cheapskates. But yeah, it was extremely uh, stressful because you, you kind of picture what a typical tryout should look like. And I knew this wasn't going to be typical because of the cameras. You know, they want mm. to capture certain elements of what that would look like. So in my head, I'm like, all right, this isn't going to be, you know, take 10 bumps, run the ropes. You know, it's not going to be like drills or anything like that. Mm. So I didn't really know what it was going to look like. And I would say 
That's the only thing that I wish was a little bit different with the outcome. I don't mind that it didn't turn out the way I had hoped, but I kind of wish they didn't really break down how the filming was going to be of the tryout. So I didn't know what to expect at all. You know, like Chris Saban's just like, all right, we're getting in the ring and we're going to do a couple things. All right. You know, like that's it. And when it was over, it seemed like it was over so fast. And I'm just sitting there like, damn, that's it. That was my opportunity. And then it's done, you know? See, and this is one of the things as well, watching back that clip, because you know, as I told you before, I'm a massive wrestling fan and I looked at it a bit differently. Like I saw the fun side of it and then I just see the look in your face and like the way that, and I'm like, shit, man. Like I just really felt for you because I could tell how much it meant for you. You know, there's so many wrestlers out there that are trying to, you know, get to it. I mean, it's a very oversaturated market. It's very hard to like make yourself different in some shape or form. And like, as harsh as it is to say, just being a good wrestler isn't really enough. It's like you have to have the charisma and you've got to be, you know, be a marketeer. I mean, especially in, in 2020, you know, you've got to be great on the social media. You've got to be almost like selling your gimmick kind of 24 um, right, seven. Right. So the game has changed. The rules have changed. And that's not to say that, you know, you haven't got those things because I firmly believe that. That's why I'm always supporting you. Like, I, I genuinely believe that AEW or something like that is in the cards for you in the very near future. I really just think it's a case of when rather than if. Right, um, right. And this is kind of why I wanted to start with this and move more towards that because as far as I'm concerned, like, yeah, this was a funny thing. I mean, this was seven years ago, don't forget. This right. is a long time ago things change, people change. And, you know, I, I kind of feel like the joke is now over kind of thing. It's like, okay, uh -huh. ha ha. But like, t if we just got take it back to the Cody Co thing, like normally in that series, it's people just being ridiculous and, and, you know, like, why wouldn't you laugh at them kind of thing, you know? But right. I think a lot of the time when, when you're laughing at people on the internet, no thought kind of goes into like the actual person or, or like how they feel or whatever, right? right? And as I've gotten older, I've kind of, you know, I, I don't really laugh at people anymore. I'm just like, I just think about that. I'm like, well, right. in my hardest times, I wouldn't have wanted that, right? Right. It takes a different level of uh, empathy. And I think, like you said, when you get older, it kind of clicks a little more. You become a little more sensitive to those things. You're like, oh, well, that right. kind of sucks for them, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 hear I, I think what's different in, in this situation as well is like that was actually actually you like i've asked you obviously as i said in in live streams and stuff before right. and you've said yeah that's me i wasn't putting it on that's how i thought uh and a lot of the time when you get asked these questions to this day you sort of say that you've kind of toned it down somewhat maybe you're not as cheap mm. as, as as you were right um, right Real quick, where did you get that kind of mentality? Like, is that something you gained from like a relative or is that just something that kind of just happened over time? And I'll be honest with you, I don't know. Um, and, and this is, I, I hope my family isn't offended if I say this, but we grew up very poor. Right. Um, we lived in the inner city of Manhattan for maybe 15 years or so, bounced around. So I, we didn't grow up with much. And I've always was someone who appreciated what I had. I'm not a materialistic person. Like a lot of people look in the studio and they're like, oh, you know, he's spending money left. And I'm like, no, no, no. A lot of these are gifts. Mm -hmm. And and this is kind of what has become my work at this point. So I do have to invest in it a little bit. But um, I'm just, I'm not a very materialistic person. Like even my sugar mama will tell me, oh, I wish you dressed a little bit better. I, you know, why don't you... We were in the store the other day. Oh, I, you know, I was telling the story about the pops and she was just like, just get yourself some pops. And there's just there's something about just buying something materialistic for myself that just seems like a waste. Like, I'm like, ah, I don't want to do that. And there's things that I was doing that it wasn't until someone else brought up to me. I'm like, man, mm. what are you doing, bro? Like, that's kind of gross. or that's kind of weird, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, all right. Yeah. I guess I didn't really think about it. Like uh, I had a roommate and I used to store a whole bunch of empty water bottles, like ridiculous, two drawers of empty water bottles. So I could just fill it up in the sink and keep it going. So if one got like too messed up or destroyed, then I had a backup, but it was like 20 water bottles, just empty in the <laughs> fridge. And he's just like, bro, this is weird. Like, 
<laughs> First of all, it's not healthy. And I'm like, oh, why isn't it healthy? And then he told me, he's like, listen, after a while, plastic breaks down. And I'm like, eh, it's fine. You know, and like, but thinking about it, I'm like, all right, if TLC captured me opening up the fridge and there was 20 empty water bottles, they'd be like, oh, this guy's a freak. <laughs> you know, he's weird. Um, but that's just the way I've always been. I just, I've always been very conscious of money and spending it and not wasting. I'm mm. one of my biggest pet peeves in the world, which was not mentioned on the TLC show is throwing out food. Well, kind of. Yeah. And you know what though? But there's some people that are just like, if you don't like it, throw it out. I'm like, it doesn't matter how much I don't no, like it. No, if no, it no, provides no, no, sustenance no, no. to me, <laughs> if it, if it's just extra nutrients, then I'm going to have it. You know, I grew up with the same thing. If my grandmother would have seen me do that, that's the end of me. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I just it's and it's built in. It's like ingrained in my head. Like some of right. the other stuff, I get it. Um, it's gonna sound funny, but I grew up with really, really bad allergies. And when I was a kid, I would just have a pile of tissues just like right next to my pillow. And like I think about it now, I'm like that's kind of disgusting. But again, it, it's what I did growing up. So looking at it, I'm like, oh, I didn't really see the problem. Mm. of having a pile of dirty tissues and just reusing them over and over again <laughs> and i know it sounds disgusting um but especially when i was a kid like i would wake up in the middle of the night my nose would bleed that's how bad like oh I would wow sneeze. okay yeah so i would always just feel like boxes of tissues i would go through all the time because another thing people were like oh you know how much tissues does one man have to go through i used my allergies were that bad that it was just like constant I would have why didn't you get out. like handkerchiefs or something you know what and again it's gonna sound funny I just never thought of it until someone was like, oh, you should get fair, an anchor Yeah, okay, fair play, fair play. <laughs> and also, and this is going to sound really ridiculous, and I don't mind saying it and looking a little foolish, but I almost was like, handkerchiefs, that's kind of gross. <laughs> and I think about it now, I'm like, all right, Matt, but you can use the same tissues over and over again. Pretty sure that's the same thing or even more gross, right? Okay, moving it forward, like, just kind of one final question on, on, on this to tie this part of it up. Sure. You got a lot of pushback. You know, you got these two guys on the internet taking the mick out of you. Now you turn that into something like you smart business minded person. You go, okay, I'm, I'm going to embrace that. You made a YouTube channel, which you had before that you were doing content before that, but you really kind of gave it a push when uh, these clips started to be released in, back in 2019 uh, on TLC's website. And uh, then obviously the reaction happened. So you embraced it, you did reactions to their reactions and so on and so forth, right? Now, presumably you got a lot of pushback. Maybe you, like often is the case when, when people like Cody Ko or someone else on, on the internet makes a reaction video at someone, that person typically gets a lot of hate. Right. Did you get like a lot of pushback um, just out of no, like what, what was the general kind of consensus of stuff that you were getting that was on the more negative side and the positive side as well? Sure. I'll, I'll give you the whole scoop. Um, you actually mentioned some really interesting stuff that I haven't really publicly said. So I want to touch on that a little bit. Um, so when Extreme Cheapskates first came out, I don't know, the, the episode itself may have came out in like 2014 or maybe 2013. I don't know. I think I might've filmed it in 2013 and something like that. Mm. But anyway, when it first happened, I didn't really embrace it at all. Like at all. It wasn't something that I thought to myself, um, this is going to be my claim to fame. This is going to be, you know, I'm the cheap wrestler now. I was like, no, no, I'm a wrestler who's cheap, but I'm not the cheap wrestler. I was the number one attraction and no one was going to tell me otherwise. But so I was okay. very, Can I just cut you there? Like surely... Yeah as a wrestler you must have thought at some point even then like surely i can i can use this you know i've just been on television i can use this to maybe leverage it and maybe i could even go to a company and be like hey i was on tv give me some more tv right. time we'll, we'll wait i don't know we'll turn it into an angle or something so that is what i thought i just thought i can still do it as the number one attraction matt saxon that was kind of my struggle there where i was like no no this is my gimmick i'm the number one attraction Matt Saxon. And, and this is money. And the funny thing is it was that gimmick works. People love the number one attraction gimmick. It mm. just doesn't have worldwide fame. You know, it, it doesn't, it, it, you know, number one attraction. That's great. You know, did great on the independent scene. It was fantastic, but I should have smartened up back then and been like, Hey Matt, no more number one attraction. You're not the number one attraction anymore. Just embrace the cheap wrestler. And I didn't do that. And I think that's where I dropped the ball for several reasons. Because I'm Matt Saxon, 
people couldn't find me on the internet. You mm -hmm. know, like people who were like, oh, let me search this guy. This video is funny. No one was finding me. I didn't blow up. People would recognize me at the, you know, on the street or at the grocery store. People would say, oh, you were on that show, right? Right. But I feel like I never properly handled it back then. So what happened was uh, TLC decided to maybe back in 2019, like you had mentioned, they decided to repost it on yeah. YouTube. And that's where, that's where things got crazy. I noticed right away, you know, people contacting me on YouTube, like, Hey, aren't you the guy? Hey. And you know what? I looked at my sugar mama. I said, not again. I messed up years ago. <laughs> not again. So here we go. I'm, I am the cheap wrestler. Now I am embracing this. I will say hi to the people. If they want to talk about the TLC episode, we'll talk like whatever. I am embracing this fully because, um, another thing that I haven't mentioned much on YouTube. So this is pretty cool. This is one of the first podcast I've done, uh, you know, since everything's blown up. Um, something that I found very interesting, I've kind of lost my train of thought a little bit there. Oh, what was I saying? I was just kind of rambling a little bit. Um, eh, I lost myself. I mean, I mean you're, on, you're on the theme of, of this extreme cheapskates thing and, and like kind of like the push back afterwards and then, mm. you know, it's sort of embracing it and like right. now, as opposed to back when it happened. Yeah, my my I was, I was up so late last night just editing and whatnot, and I'll get to that later. But so my mind's a little. But anyway, um, yeah. So when it came out, I was like, no, nope, I'm embracing it. I changed my name on social media, Matt, right. Matt TLC. You know, did the whole thing. Um, I had not of I hadn't heard of Cody Co at the time. I had no idea who he was. Right. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of uh, friends of mine were like, oh my gosh, look at this funny video. Look at this video. And I watched it. I'm like, all right, this video is hilarious. You know. I don't, it doesn't bother me that people uh, find it entertaining. I think it bothers me. I wouldn't even use the word bother me. Uh, it, it's a little annoying, I think, at times when some people are like, oh, you, you cheap. Could I you have to watch my language on this? All right, cool. <laughs> you cheap bastard. You know, like you're wasting your time. Because I don't even know how to, I'm like, all right, thanks. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what yeah, do you want yeah. me to say to that, you know? So it, and it doesn't even bother me. It's just more like a useless comment almost, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm like, all right. But um, yeah, I definitely capitalized that on this. I don't think those things bother me at all. Like a lot of people, I read the comments, oh, you handle it so well. You know, Cody Cole, this guy always has a smile on his face. It didn't bother him or no, it didn't bother me at all. If anything, I thank them. I'm like, listen, you guys are part of the reason why I was able to create this YouTube channel and make something out of it. So thanks you know i'm not offended <laughs> if anything do it again you know kind, kind of think of it actually now you say it um because you often play like a heel uh which for those who aren't familiar with wrestling terminology means uh, bad guy right um and you play a bad guy on the independence quite quite regularly uh so i guess you would be pretty used to getting abuse and sort of just taking it in your stride <laughs> you like yeah. Yeah, whatever and it really doesn't do anything to me and i think a lot of people look at it like oh some people feel bad for me. They're like, oh, you know, people are so mean to you. I'm like, I could care less. Like, I, I know being in any sort of spotlight, you're going to get it. It's just the way the world is. And this is and the I thing. Like, I felt that way for you when I first saw this clip. And then I saw that Cody Ko thing. And then I saw everything that you're doing on YouTube and, and what you're doing now. I mean, for those who don't know... Uh, Matt basically regularly does live streams. He plays games. He reacts to things like, you know, the latest WWE Battlegrounds game or something like that. Or, you know, you do Q and A's where you actively just take on questions. I've asked you some questions myself, Absolutely. Um, you know, and I think that's a great way to, to give back. And to be honest, you do actually have a following. There are fans there. There are people that regularly tune in that want to help you support you. I think one of the, the coolest things that you do, uh, which I think has a lot of legs, um, particularly because of, you know, uh, wrestlers such as uh, the Young Butts doing their Being the Elite series. You know, you're doing this uh, sort of series where you regularly talk about interactions you've had with, you know, famous wrestlers such as uh, Nunzio or, or, you know, um, other wrestlers like that. And I think that that's a great way to give back a good, you know, people really like to have like a, a look in or a lens into like the business and how it works behind the scenes because right. obviously everyone knows that you know wrestling is you know not real but like the that kind of makes the behind the scenes even more fascinating particularly with right. all the the shoots that we see that even happen to this day i mean 
for example, when uh, John Moxley left WWE, you know, his shoot interview just blew up and was just nuts. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of legs with, with what you've done with it and everything and, and how you've kind of, as I say, like leveraged it, turned it into something. Right. And I think right. that's probably a lot of the reason why so many people are getting behind what you're doing because it's like, okay, he's taken it well, he's moved forward. And this kind of leads me on to to the future or to at least like what's going on right now. I I feel kind of weird asking this question because I kind of already know the answer, but you know, every wrestler has different, a different way of looking at the business. And I guess I want to know kind of like what your main goals and aspirations in professional wrestling are right now, because you know, you've had a little bit of a taste of success. You've, you, you know, people know your name. Right. And right now, arguably, for the first time in many years, there's actual many different options. Like right. just, just to kind of lay it out for those that are unaware, um, you've got WWE and you've got AEW. Those are like your two main American major promotions right now. And then you've got all these other ones who regularly tour in other countries. So you've got like MLW who puts on a lot of shows in, in Mexico. You've got Impact, you know, formerly right. TNA still there. You know, you've got New Japan putting on pro uh, shows here. You've got famous wrestlers from like the UK and America going over to Japan and regularly working in Japan. Point is, you've got a lot of options. Right. So this, this is kind of a two-part question. Like, what are your goals and aspirations? And ideally like where's best for you where's best for matt rivera or matt Saxon? which and by the way which which name are we going by well that it's that itself is a whole other question but right now we'll say <laughs> matt rivera it's, it's matt a rivera. weird spot because i've been so my my full name is matthew saxon rivera that's, right, that's the right. full name um <laughs> when i and i'll just do a quick side story when i first started wrestling training there was someone already named rivera there was an antonio rivera and they didn't want us to think that we were brothers there's so also a guy like, who wrestles for TNA as well. It's called, I think it's Matt Riviera or something. So oh, yeah. Matt even more... yeah, yeah. We get <laughs> confused all the time. People are like, oh, didn't uh, Jerry Lawler cut your perm? I'm like, no, he didn't cut my perm. <laughs> like, that wasn't me. <laughs> um, oh, that man. happens all the time. I've argued with people like, no, you're that guy. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know who I am last time I checked. Um, as far as goals go, man, it's when I first decided to start actually let me backtrack let me, let me really backtrack if that's okay after the impact wrestling tryout i really didn't know what was next for me i was definitely a little distraught because i felt like i kind of felt like tna wasn't able to see what i can really do you know they just saw what was filmed like everything you saw was probably like 90 or 80 percent of the interactions i had with them so it wasn't like the cameras went off and I was there for hours and hours and hours. Mm. If anything, I was there for maybe an hour, got to talk a little bit, but then we had to go shoot the next scene. It was about TLC more than it was about Impact Wrestling in my tryout. So like, you know, and I understood that, I got it, but deep down it was like, man, this sucks. Like, yeah, that yeah. was it, that was it, and it's gone. You know, like, I just felt like that opportunity flew out of my hands and it was never going to come back. And not that, that that was true, but that's how I felt at the time. So I kind of took a step back from wrestling. I was just like, you know what? My goal was to get an opportunity like that and then see what happens. So in my mind, I hit my top goal. It was to get an opportunity like that and then see what happens. So it really, really kind of sucked. But with this happening, with the boom, with the interest in the cheap wrestler, the main question I get, the number one question is, when are you returning to the ring? You know, like that is the number one question. Well, this and is also, just, just a real quick question on, on top sure. of that as well. I was reading back and looking over your career and there was a point where you kind of stopped wrestling. So mm-hmm. like briefly, and then you started again. Now, obviously with the pandemic and everything, it just throws everything out of the wall. But there are people wrestling. There are shows going on, right? Right. So with this pause that happened, is that something that just happened like before the pandemic and it's just whatever for you? Or is it a case of like you, you're kind of waiting until the right moment and then you're going to jump on it kind of thing, right? It's a tough question to say. Um, I'm definitely one of those people who I take the pandemic very seriously. Like I, right. I really do. 
Uh, there's a lot of people out there and I don't, it's just not me bashing anyone. Everyone mm. has a different mentality and different feelings on it, but I'm someone who's extremely cautious during this time. And there are a lot of people who they're like, Hey, whatever. I'll jump in the ring with a stranger right now. No problem. And I'm just not on board with that. So it's almost hard for me to think about the future because I really don't know what it's going to look like next month. I have no clue. If it's going to be worse if it's going to be better, but let's pretend the pandemic didn't happen. Let's go with that. So when I started this YouTube channel, well, when it blew up, I decided, okay, what this is going to be, I'm going to have a bunch of videos, but it's going to be on my way back to the wrestling ring. I always have a love for wrestling. Yeah. And I was, I always felt that I had something special to offer within wrestling. And it's more uh, personality, storytelling, that sort of thing. A lot of people ask me a great question and I had to really think about it, but someone asked me on YouTube, if you had to compare yourself with another wrestler, who would it be? And I had to really think about that because, and I don't mind saying this, I never considered myself to be a great wrestler. Never. Like I'm not Kurt Angle. I don't wrestle like Chris Benoit. I'm not Shawn Michaels. <laughs> like I'm not, you know, I'm, hell, I'm not Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks. Like you're not going to see me doing springboard. I, I gotta say, I gotta say as well, I don't think that that's the measure of a good wrestler either. Because, I don't think so either. You, you know, like just, just to give a real quick example, um, you know, like Ric Flair wasn't right. the best wrestler ever, but like he, he was able to like command any arena that he was in and right. piss people off. And like, if you take like, because for me, a good wrestling and this, I guess it's subjective, you know, right. I love to seal the flips, all that stuff. That's great. Right. But for me, a real mess wrestling match is a mixture of, having those moves in the right places where it means something like making everything mean something, having good ring psychology, making people almost believe that you do really hate each other. Right. And, you know, having that emotion to some degree or, or if there's not like an obvious reason for you guys to hate each other, then the, they call it storytelling, I guess, you know, in, in the ring where you kind of logically play through the match. So like, let's say you have two guys where it's not obvious who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I often see Cody do this, Cody Rhodes, you know, he, he'll, you know, play the bad guy because he knows right. how to do it and he knows like when to do it as well. Right. So yeah. I, I think, I think for, for you, you know, you have that, like you said, like, yeah, I, I believe I have something and this is not me kissing your ass. This is me saying, I believe that too. When I look at you, I see a guy who's, who's going to make it on one of those shows. It, like I said, it's not a question of if, but when, because it's all about like being able to see that. And I think that this is one of the mistakes that WWE always makes is that, you know, they have so much talent, so many guys that you're like, yeah, that guy, that guy, but like, they don't push them in the right way. Right. You know, take someone like uh, Keith Lee, for instance, they're, right. they're pushing him. He's at the top. He's, you know, he's got the NXT title, but to be honest with you, when he had that like look with Reigns and he went like toe to toe with him oh, yeah. and there was that, I was like, that's like your next rock right there. I 100% agree with you with Keith Lee. I feel yeah. like he is the total package. He, he has the it factor and he has a unique look. He moves differently. Uh, to me, Keith Lee is one of those guys that they should be investing in. Absolutely. Point being that like, you know, if the company is behind you and you've got that right platform and they, and they give you that breathing room, which is why I kind of, that's why I'm more into AEW at the moment. Like I still keep up with right. WWE, I watch the pay-per-views, whatever. But for me, the week to week product with AEW is better because it builds up people. It's logical, you know, and they give the person breathing room. If something's working, they roll with it. Right. And I feel right. like with you, that's what it will be. If you can come in and go, Hey, I've got this to offer. And they're like, okay, show us what you can do. Right. Right. I think that's what well, I do. you're absolutely right. And you had asked this question before and I tend to kind of ramble on and go a bunch of different directions. I do the same thing. <laughs> but, uh, you had asked where I see myself or where do I think would be the best fit if yes. I were to keep pursuing wrestling. AEW is absolutely the answer. I, I obviously would love to say, WWE, you know, I want to be on the WrestleMania card. And all those things are true. But I think right now, AEW would be the best fit for the cheap wrestler. You know, something with, I guess, kind of a comedy gimmick at times. But 
also with, like you said, a little bit more free reign of character and development because NXT, WWE is the factory mass produced. And I, and I mean this in like the best ways, like all major companies get to this point if you want to be successful. But sometimes you w- want to see something a little more organic, a little more uh, fresh, a little more just something different. And I think the cheap wrestler would fit better in AEW than he would in NXT or WWE. You know, I got to say, like, part of me is like, yeah, you know, you should run with the cheap wrestler gimmick and then go for it. Because, like, why not? But part of me is like, you know, I've seen you doing being a heel, going with, I guess, the number one attraction gimmick or something like that. And I feel like that's a better... Personally, I feel like that's a better kind of fit for you. I think you should go in there like serious and just be like, this is me. We, we can do the comedy thing later on, or maybe we can even make a like a, I don't know, like let's say like you were included in the Being Elite series for arguments. Right. And they did like little segments of you being cheap and it can be like a running gag kind of thing. But right. I just, I don't, I don't like the idea of it being your main gimmick. Cause I think that just like pigeonholes you and limits, do you know what I mean? Your potential. Oh, yeah. And just with what you were saying about WWE, I completely agree. I actually, a lot of the time when I see that a wrestler is going to WWE, I'm like worried for them. Because like, yeah, back in the 90s, 2000s, whatever, it was the place to be. But now there's so many options. And I feel like they have everyone, but like not everyone, like a lot of people fail there. Um, And it's- it's, Bobby Roode. What is he doing? And I, I always felt Bobby Roode was top five for me in Impact Wrestling of all time. I haven't even seen the guy on TV. <laughs> I know it's very easy to sit back and, and be like, you know, because, you know, they will probably, let's say like, I, I criticize them, they'll be like, well, okay, what would you do better? And it's like, well, for a start, I'd have less talent. They have that's too, really what it is. They yeah. have too many people. It's an oversaturation. That's why people like Bobby Roode just kind of sit in the mid card. And you know, there's nothing wrong with being in the mid card. Don't get me wrong. But the, what they do, I, I think they kill people. And this is where I think AEW is better, right? If you see that a guy is like gradually winning, you're like, right. oh, and you expect him to get a title shot. And then it happens, you know? Or if, if a wrestler pulls off like a big win over someone, they'll get a title shot or they'll be in the right. running. It's logical, professional wrestling, as it should be. Whereas WWE, it's like, here's a really good example, a real quick one, because I don't want to take too much time on this. But you you remember when um, Bray Wyatt, as a fiend, lost to Goldberg, lost the title? Right. It was dumb. It was mismanaged, right? But the thing that pissed me off the most was that that was it. No no payback. No, you know, they'd never mentioned it again. He just went straight on to Cena. Goldberg went off and did his thing. That was it. And I was like, well, what's, what's the point? Well, you just buried him and then that's it. And a lot of the time when they say, when you say that to them, like, oh, well, you know, people have to lose and, you know, it's wins and losses don't matter. And it's like, no, they do matter. And it needs to be logical. It's fine for someone to lose. But if it's someone that's like always winning, like take Cody, Cody Rhodes right now. Yeah. They're right. doing a thing where every week he's, he's you know, wrestling with the, the TV title and it's obviously building up. He will lose it at some point, but he'll lose it in a big way. Right. Imagine if like one week he just randomly lost it to some guy who's never been on the show before. Like everyone's going to be, well, <laughs> well I, I keep saying, yeah, if there's any way to, to, to put you in, in, in the picture straight away, it's wrestling Cody. And I think you do an excellent job. You, you have pushed for that. And I do appreciate I have. that. Every time he mentions it, I tag him in. I'm like, yeah. this guy stop yeah. sleeping on matt rivera i appreciate that man i really do i really It'll do. happen man i like i said but you but, gotta keep pushing too man oh so and i'll get to that in one second like i said i feel like my mind just goes and just goes in all crazy ways but you're absolutely right i mean i was actually just talking to a good friend of mine the other day about wwe storylines we're like all right vince mcmahon blowing up in the limo obviously that didn't work out for a couple of reasons yeah but um Vince McMahon's son being Hornswoggle. Like, I was like, okay, why? That's a cop out. That's all that was. Or even um, Hornswoggle also ended up being the, uh, what was it? The anonymous GM. Yeah, the anonymous GM. And I'm like, you guys aren't even trying. Like, it's not just funny because he's a little person. You can't just be like, oh, it's funny because he's a little person. (laughs) Like, no. But that's Vince's humor. He finds that shit funny. 
for I know, and I'm reason. like, maybe it was funny, like, you know, early 90s, late 80s, but it's not funny anymore. It's, it's old. And I think the fans are becoming more – it's interesting. Fans are becoming more a, a part of it. They're becoming more aware, a little smarter when it comes to the business and just, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. And I think more fans are becoming – what's the word I'm looking for? Almost like they teach themselves. Like the, every, like everyone who's a fan has a understanding of what they feel like they should see. And WWE tends to drop the ball on that. Even the hacker storyline. Like I'm curious if the hacker ends up popping up again with a retribution, you know, cause I can kind of see maybe something there, but the, the bigger part of me is like, Matt, the hacker thing is probably just done and that's it. And you'll never see it again. Yeah. Yeah, they do that often. Like, and it pisses me off because, like, there were talks about it being CM Punk, and I'm like, oh, that would be amazing, but it's not. Yeah, I don't think so. I I think the the general consensus was that it would be Ali, Ali, and my God, does that guy need a push? Um, He he does, and I think him, Ricochet, and Cedric are all suffering in the same boat. Where super talented guys, but you know what though? And I'll say this: I will say this: all super talented guys, but none are known for their mic skills. None are known for their you know, ability to cut a promo. And I'm not saying that they can't, but they're not known for it. And I, and they me, do. I agree. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm always the first to give a because this is the thing, like I'll criticize WWE all day, but I'll also give them props for like everything they do. Right. And same with wrestlers, Ricochet, amazing worker, but not good on the mic. I haven't yeah. heard a single promo that's good. However, WWE problem with them is that they script everything. And I feel like, ricochet is not good with that certain guys are okay with it but generally speaking uh whoever you give a script to is not good you know it's better to just let a guy you know have key points you know if anything i I use this approach when i do my acting videos i don't actually script my acting videos i just have a couple of ideas right yeah and like every great wrestling promo there has ever been has been like that. You think of your Dusty Rhodes, Hard Times, or your Hogan's. You know, but they just yeah, they were told like, look, you've got five minutes. Tell them why they should watch this pay per view, and you just fucking go for it. Exactly, and, and I think they really missed the ball on that. And I think with Ricochet, and I was telling a friend this, they gave Ricochet Neville's old crappy gimmick of being a superhero. And no <laughs> yeah, one, oh my god, no yes, they did. That. Like no one wants you to come out with like wings or a cape and like you know i'm a good guy like no no like if you're a good guy be cool like that's why like the rock and stone cold were so popular because they were cool no one wants to be like i'm a superhero see the, the thing is though it's interesting <laughs> you mentioned those guys because those basically tweeners i mean austin was oh, a yeah. bad guy who people just fell in love with and he it was his rebelliousness the rock obviously originally a heel same thing like like who, who's yeah, but who is truly like an actual baby face in the because i remember hearing some of the old guys like cornet talk about this and they say that you know a good guy typically you know he won't cheat he'll he'll wrestle you know for, for honor and, and stuff like that and I, I think that that kind of a baby face can exist but it has to be logical do you know what i mean that's, like that's john cena you know that's john cena right there yeah and um, I mean, with john cena that's that's the thing like he obviously did. not the most loved baby face of all time he's yeah, not, but it's, it's because it was too much of that thing that you're saying that that nice guy shit if he would have played up to the heel stuff a little bit not going bad guy but being like you know rolled with it people would have been yeah. fine because cena like in the beginning was amazing everyone yeah. loved john cena loved that's why it, yeah. that spot, you know <laughs> And then it just grew into that, like, sick. And it's the same thing with, like, Roman Reigns. Like, he's more enjoyed now because they're like, okay, we won't give him shitty stuff to say. We'll just let him be him. And it's like, oh, actually, he's cool. He's Like you say, he's a badass. Right. And Roman Reigns is a tough one, too, just because when he gets on the mic, man, it's it's so flat. It's so flat. Like, there's no – he doesn't even have, like, uh, pitches in his voice. You know, it's just one flat thing. I'm going to go in there and take back my yard. They tell him to do it like that, though. Because I've seen... I, I, I've yeah, seen I know. A, he did a heel promo in, uh, in NXT, and it was different guy. It was amazing. Yeah. And, and, and it yeah. sucks. I don't know why they do that. And to go back to your question before, I do consider The Rock and Stone Cold true baby faces. And the reason why is because deep, like, it doesn't matter what they do. It matters how they make you feel. 
They make you feel like cheering them on, that you wish they were your best friend. You want to be on their team. They are fighting the people that you hate, you know, like it, they might. Okay. Yeah. In real life, if I went and stone cold stunned my boss, that is not a good thing to do. That's a bad guy thing to do. But in the world of wrestling and when Vince McMahon is your boss, you're basically an angel. You might be an angel with two cans of beer in your hand, but you're still an angel, you know? So to me, they're two of the greatest baby faces of all time. And another great example is Eddie Guerrero. You know, Eddie Guerrero, lie, lie, cheat, and steal. Those are not three words that should be associated with a baby face, but they were, you know? Moving it forward, you've wrestled with the likes of, if people can believe this, right, wrestling fans, get ready for this, Tito Santana, obviously yep. Nunzio we mentioned before, Jimmy the uh, Superfly Snooker. Right. This was all in the same match. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's all one match. Crazy. <laughs> With Nikolai Volkov, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, just absolutely incredible. You know, you, you've, you've had some, some pretty amazing uh, experiences, interactions with people. But what would you say, you know, of your career so far would be like your greatest achievements and moments, like your personal successes? Huh. Hey, that's a great question. Definitely that match is one of them because to this day it is, and I just want to make sure I'm thinking, yeah, it's the biggest crowd I've ever wrestled in front of. It was a, maybe 5,000 people in Brooklyn. So it was like, yeah, it was like, you know, quite a bit of people and that, you know, I'm used to 50 to a hundred, you know, maybe, maybe like 150, 200 tops. That's like a really good day. Um, but that was definitely one of them. Just being able to get in the ring with three legends and, you know, look around and you know, I'm in a stadium. And I'm like, wow. And that day was really cool because it was like an all day event. And, you know, there's people interviewing and it was just really dope. And I feel like it was one of those days where I'm like, yeah, I'm happy to be a pro wrestler. Like today's a good day. Um, some other big accomplishments. Uh, I got a few. Obviously, obviously getting to do the impact tryout is huge. Yeah. So that's mm -hmm. top three right there. Um, I worked for a small company that decided to make me their world champ. And I really appreciated that because I felt like it was solely on the fact that I was entertaining enough because I'm not a tall guy. I'm not a big guy or anything like that. Um, and, and I'm not a high flyer. So I always am curious to see what's the most important aspect to other people. You know, is it that I'm six, five, because nope, that's not, that's not a thing. Is it, uh, you know, if I can wrestle like Daniel Bryan or is it if I can fly like a young buck, you know? And I'm curious because to me, uh, going back with something I said before, is I compare myself to like an Enzo or an MVP where you know them more for their characters, not yep. for them in the ring, you know? And it's not that either one were bad in the ring. Like you didn't watch their matches and go, oh my gosh, it's Eva Marie. What are you doing there? You know, like. <laughs> she, she got pretty good towards the end though. I will say that. <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe in comparison to how she was, but not in, well, yeah. <laughs> not in comparison to like WWE, you know? Okay, she was, all right. Like, and, and I always spread love and I don't mean to, you know, if she were to ever see this, I, I mean, in the nicest way possible, but. I don't think she ever was like aiming to be the best wrestler ever, you know. It was, I don't she, think she took so, it either. seriously, you know, but yeah, it is what yeah, it is. It is what it is. Um, but anyway, accomplishments. I would say another big one was I wrestled for Northeast Wrestling. And that was big for me because it was my, in my hometown too. So that was really dope. And there was a lot of people on that card that I was able to pick the brains of like Tommy Dreamer uh oh wow Piper, which oh, of course Piper, yeah you met roddy piper yeah yeah he, uh, i feel like when he passed man like and i'm not one to be like oh we were, we were like this because we weren't yeah, yeah but yeah. um he's one of those people that met for a very short period of time in my life but made an impact made a mark and uh i will never forget him i thought i had a terrible match that night not I had a terrible match that night <laughs> and um, you know, he came up to me afterwards. He saw it on my face. Cause I just kind of sat yeah. in the corner. What did I just do? Like that was terrible. And uh, you know, put his arm around me and he's a, he was a character, man. Like he was Roddy Piper. He we're sitting in a locker room and he looks at, he's like, Oh, if these lockers can speak the stories they would tell. <laughs> I'm like, All right, okay. Yeah, I don't know. What to say. I'm like, sure. Yeah. That's so cool, man. <laughs> but, but yeah, exactly. And it's funny to say, but that's a moment for me. To me, that's huge. Like, I will never forget that, you know? Mm. Um, but I know we're running out of time here. And I do want to answer something that you asked probably like half an hour ago. 
where do I see what's next wrestling wise? So I'm hoping this pandemic ends sooner than later, but I have a feeling it's something that's going to be uh, something we deal with for years to come. I hate saying that, but I, it's just my gut feeling. However, I do want to get back in the ring for a lot of reasons. I have something that I'm going to kind of introduce on YouTube. It's okay. going to be my, uh, I guess, wrestler wish list, if you will. There's a lot of people on the independent scene that I didn't get to step in the ring with that I feel like I need to if I'm going to, if I'm going to close that chapter of my life. I don't, I'm very flexible right now on what the next handful of years can look like. But one thing I know for sure is I love entertaining people. I always mm. have, uh, a lot of people go, oh, what he does is fake because he's an actor. I'm like, oh yeah, I love acting, but it's not really relevant to what's fake in my life. I just love doing that also. You know, I love music. I love making people feel something. So whether I was a good guy or a bad guy, if people would go home and go, wow, I felt that, or that guy was a jerk or you know, whatever, then I did my job right. And I feel like if I can make somebody forget their normal day life for just five minutes, 10 minutes, and either bring a smile to their face or make them feel a little pissed at me <laughs> or whatever, sad, happy, that I feel like is um, an accomplishment for me. And I think that that's my main goal in life. And I've been able to do that with this YouTube channel now, which is something I'm very thankful for. But um, I do plan on stepping back in the ring. And I feel like when I do, it'll, I'll, it'll be with a different mindset than when I last wrestled. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And I do, do believe like you said, I do believe, not, a, not a, forget believe, I know that I have something that I can offer to a wrestling promotion. And I feel like it's on them if they pick it up or not. Like I even, well, you know, you asked the question. I'm, I've been running my mouth for too long. <laughs> okay. Real quick. How old are you right now? Oh, that's one of the, that's one of the big questions. I usually don't tell anybody. I don't know. I might have to sip my tea on this one. Um, I'm 32. 32 right 32 yep. see this is the thing you sound hesitant it's like you almost said before like oh you know maybe winding down as far as i'm concerned you're still in the prime like you've got plenty of years to like carve something out for yourself and right. do you know what i mean there's wrestlers that go into their 50s 60s even do you know what i mean like there's right. a lot of potential for you now you say you're building towards something i'm not gonna like push you for that We'll save that for your YouTube. I will say go and subscribe to his channel. He creates great content. And, you know, I, I felt like there's something in the rumblings with you that you're not really revealing that I feel... Because to be honest with you, every week that I watch AEW, I'm like, this could be it. He might turn up. You just never know. You never know. And I fully expect it. That, like, I just know. And that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to get this interview as well. Because it's right, like, right. that guy was on my podcast. And right. I believed in him. And he's there, and now no one can say anything because I believed right. in him day one. <laughs> and and I, I do really appreciate that. And I, I get what you're saying because I think a lot of people do have that feeling that I could appear on a wrestling show any day of the week. They might turn on Impact and see me. They might turn on – that's another one. Impact is another one that I think that there is a lot of potential in me going to for a couple of reasons. I do know a few people in – well, Impact and AEW, but – there's a few people in there that I'm like, all right, maybe I should reach out to. But beyond that, it, the story writes itself if I'm an impact, right? <laughs> I got to say as well, like, because I thought about asking you this, but I wasn't sure. And I kind of figured what, what you would say. But you know Ortiz from AEW. Now, from those who don't know, if you watch the TLC clip that we mentioned earlier, you can see Ortiz in the background and you guys, you know, and you've explained, I asked you this question, like, is that the guy? And you're like, yeah, it is. It's him. We, you know, right. trained together briefly. And then for those who know, he then went on to Impact and then now he's in AEW. And I keep racking my brains like, why don't you just ask him? Just be like, hey, <laughs> listen, I really want to make a, you know, do you think you right. could sort me out just a shot? So, with Ortiz, it's funny because some people, I actually didn't even realize he was in the shop, you know? So when someone's like, is that yeah, Ortiz? Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? So a couple of things. I've only met him once or twice. Okay. Like in wrestling training, we've only, I don't really know him like that at all. That's fine. I get There's it. There's other people that I think I know a little better, like uh, Falaba and Impact. He's someone that I would reach out to. Um, but yeah, it's funny. Ortiz, like, we... We just never really uh, were there like at the same time. Fair Even fair. that day when we did the filming, it was uh, 
they got a lot of things that they shot, but it was very like, okay, now you got to stand over there and do this. Now you got to go over there. So we only brushed shoulders extremely briefly, extremely. So I don't even think I'm at a place where I can, you know, ask a favor or anything. Well, even so, I mean, like, I I think it's worth trying, you know, or like to your impact buddies or whoever. I, I, cause you know, some people might say, Oh, isn't that kind of using your friends? But you know what? Most people get their jobs through asking friends firstly secondly this is the wrestling business and you know at the end of the day you're gonna have to work for it they can they can get you a shot but you have to like prove and i feel like yeah it's been seven years since that tna shot oh yeah a lot of time to think a lot of time to grow think like like i said i I feel like you have a feeling and one thing this is less a question but more a kind of thing that i just wanted to do because i thought it would be kind of cool what is your message to the promoters, to the Cody Rhodes of the world, maybe WWE, whoever? This is your chance right now to be like, all right, my, my turn give me a shot. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, for any company, like if you want entertainment, if you want to make money, like I'm your guy, and I and I'm not just saying that to blow smoke up anyone's ass. It's just a fact. Like when I speak, people listen. It it just it is what it is. So if they're looking for someone that can captivate an audience, someone who can rub someone the wrong way, or just kind of evoke any sort of an emotion, then you want someone like me. Because there's plenty of people that could do a flip, but there's not many people that can get you to feel something, that can uh, suck you in. And I feel like that's something that I have that a lot of people don't. And it's not something that I feel like I know it's something that I have. I know for a fact, and it's not even arrogance, it's just a fact. And um, you can give a mic to 100 people, and maybe three of them will stand out but I'll be first on that list, even in the top three. <laughs> and that's how I wanted to end this. <laughs> right there. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. And then that's how I feel. And I, some people say that that's arrogant, but, and maybe it is, but I feel like, listen, I'm the first one to say, I'm not the best high flyer. I'm not even the best wrestler. But because of that, I will tell you right here, that's money. <laughs> that I have, you know? So that, you know, that's all i got to say about that so to everyone particularly cody rhodes cody rhodes this is your man give this guy a shot because he's going to make you money fact fact (laughs) uh, drawing it all to a close i mean uh, to be honest i had tons more questions to ask you but i'm just grateful to have had you here and to have had this you know what so We'll, we'll run another 10 minutes. How does that you got, sound? You got, you got a bit more time. Okay, okay. You got a little more time, yeah. Well, that, that works for me because I wanted to ask you real quick about your music. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because you go under, this is totally different. For those who don't know, you go under the name Maverick with your mm-hmm. rap career. And you've been doing this quite a few years, actually. Like, I thought maybe this was a new thing, but you've been doing this a while. You've released some music and stuff. Talk to us a little bit about how you got into rapping, what it means to you, and what your main goals and aspirations are with music. Yeah, absolutely. So like I had said before, I definitely like to touch a different, a lot of branches of entertainment. And when I was maybe like 13 years old, I was going through a bit of a hard time as much, you know, young teens do. And I started writing, I started writing poetry. And I just kind of felt like I'm like, I, I love this poetry, but I want to like rip it from the paper and put it in people's heads and in their ears. Like, I just felt like I wanted to bring it to life in a different way. So I started writing hip hop music. Now it's funny because I listen to a lot of different music. I'm not someone who's like, oh, I just like rap. I can listen to, well now country, that's new for me, but I can listen to country. I can listen to, yeah. <laughs> I sure the mama put me onto it. And there's some like, I really like Zach Brown band. I don't know if you listen to them at all, but big fan. Um, but anyway, so I started writing music when I was 13. First, re- uh, first song I ever recorded was when I was 15 years old. So. Over half my life ago was the first time I ever recorded something. And I just did it as a hobby at first. But again, just kind of like with wrestling, I was like, nah, I have something that, someone, that other people don't have. Let me, let me try something with this. So it's been majority of, of a hobby, but a couple of years ago, I decided to really start pushing it. And I come out with a bunch of different types of like hip hop music. I did a song about uh, the school shootings that were happening in the States, um, which got a lot of uh i don't want to say popularity because i just feel like that's a weird word to use it got it got some some attention yeah it got some attention yeah that's a that's a better word um and i love making music it's probably something that i'll do for the rest of my life 
even if it's slow. Because right now, I started something called Battle Zone Bars, which you probably have seen, and I'll talk about that very briefly because I could talk about it forever. But it's a hip hop cipher competition. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did that was because just like with wrestling, where I had a goal where I was like, all right, you know, uh, trying out for a major promotion is my top goal. My top goal for music was to uh, get into this contest called uh, Team Backpack. And I was like, all right, that's my top goal with music. Once I get there, I'll be content. So I get there and I leave the contest and I'm just scratching my head and I'm like, that didn't do anything for me. You know, that didn't, I thought that was going to be the same thing with impact. I thought that was going to be what put me on the next pedestal, you know? And I guess when I look back at both of those um, moments in life, I should have been more okay with, Hey Matt, you might not be moving up, but maybe here's a, a left turn and maybe that'll eventually, eventually get you where you want to be. Cause I, I felt both of those moments in my life were very like <sighs> disheartening moments, you know? Um, but back to the contest real quick, leaving that I was like, you left, I left with nothing. Like I didn't have anything to show for participating in that and getting to that stage. So what I wanted to do was create something to uh, give back to other people. So it's like, it's very cheap to enter the contest and you end up getting a bunch of things on uh, music videos. You can get free mixing and mastering of oh, wow. music. Okay. It's, there's so much that you can walk away with that I was like, no, this is going to make a good hip hop contest because it costs a lot of money to pursue something in entertainment. As you know, you end up getting camera, mics, equipment, you know, it, it gets to be a very expensive hobby or career. And um, at, this, at this stage with music, I think it's more about giving back and creating something than, uh, you know, oh, I'm just gonna make it on my own. You know, like I don't, I don't need to be the next Eminem or anything like that. I just want to kind of give back and help people where um i felt like i could have used the help you know no respect that's that's a really cool thing to do i think not a lot of people necessarily have that approach so that's really cool do you think you would ever use your music like record a song as like your entrance theme or something like that (laughs) i I would do my song as my entrance theme i i totally would i had recorded a song once and i ended up using it maybe like twice and i just I had other songs no yeah i had other songs that i had used as entrance themes that i like no that just fits more like even though I recorded this like this is me like uh when I was a baby face on the independent scene I used uh Macklemore can't hold us I don't know if you know that song but it's a very like hyping <laughs> song you know like you wow. hear it like, like right away it gets people I can like, imagine oh, that actually working know? yeah now yeah. I think about it that's yeah and I and I came out to it and like people would be like yeah this is crazy when I was a heel I used two different songs it's got to be metal really isn't it Heavy you know metal. what not even because I was more I wasn't an intimidating heel at all. So I was more like, I needed something with like swag and like obnoxiousness. You know? I believe the term is chicken shit heel. <laughs> I was definitely. Oh, absolutely. And I have some great heel stories too. Like, oh yeah. Like I'll, I'll give you a quick one. Real, and I tell this to my sugar mama. And when she, when she heard I did this, she was just like, are you crazy? You can't do that. I remember walking out as a heel one time and there was a young man sitting in the front row who was a little overweight. And he was eating like a Snickers bar. So I walk by him and he goes, you suck. So when, when I'm in heel mode, it's more, it's better to just not say anything to me. That's, that's the smart thing. <laughs> so I lean in real close to where I'm like, all right, only the immediate people will hear what I have to say to this kid. So I snatch his Snickers bar from his hand and I look at him and I go, I just did you a huge favor. And I throw it across <laughs> the, the room, like just like over the ring, I just chuck it. And he starts crying and his mom is like looking at me like I'm the worst person, like I'm the devil. (laughs) And at the time I'm just like, I'm a heel, what do you want? You know, if you're gonna say I suck, if you're gonna open your mouth when I walk by, prepare for the consequences. And that was your consequences, fat kid. That's how I felt at the time. That's not how I feel in real life. <laughs> you know, at the time, that was my mindset. Like, it was so bad that the promoter had uh, to talk to me afterwards. He goes, Matt, listen, I know you're just being a heel, but I'm like, and when I'm in that mode, I was like, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. I'm being a heel. I'm like, so I don't really see the problem, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and he I goes, agree. but she was really upset. So I take out $2. Good. My wife, and I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, listen, you can go give this to the mom. But honestly, like, I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> you know, like, you can go no, I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. And this is what, again, why I think there's so much to you, particularly as being a heel in, in the industry. Like, this is what we need. You know, like, 
like so many of the the best uh, heel bad guys are like total sweethearts, but they just know to switch it on. Like Baron Corbin, MJF. Perfect. Oh yeah, MJF is a great example. Great you got to be an asshole. Like if anything, that pro- promoter should have been like, we got some pushback from that, but thank you so much for making me money. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah, and and that's to me that's the point. I'm like, no, I'm not here to be a secretly nice uh heel like no i want you to go home and be like that guy was a dick (laughs) you know um and but this is my biggest struggle i love being a heel i love it and i think i'm really good at it but the cheap wrestler is what is what's bringing me to uh new heights so that is where i struggle because again i look back at you know when that uh when extreme cheapskates first came out i i was i stuck to my guns i was like no Number one attraction. That's what it's going to be. You know? Okay. I'm going to pitch you an idea. Sure. Here's what you do. You go in with the pit, the, the, you know, cheapskate gimmick, right? Right. You get jobbed out a little bit. You know, you, you get aggressive slowly. You're like, they're not taking me seriously. And then boom, he'll turn. And then that's when you see Max Saxon. Oh. So you come in with the gimmick, you're like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm that guy that did that. And then suddenly, right. nasty, horrible. And then it, that's the thing. Everyone will be like, huh, now I've got a reason to like hate him. And they can also like mock you and you'll be like feeding into it because you're a bad guy. And it's just, it just works. It just works. See, oh, I should be in the wrestling business, man. I've got <laughs> ideas forever. And you know, the thing? there's been ideas that I've thrown out there that have actually happened and it kind of freaked me out and it makes me wonder like did, did they like read that <laughs> I, 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 how'd they find it did they read my comment <laughs> it's, that's the thing like i think some company like particularly wwe is really predictable a lot of the time when i'm watching it i'm like yeah i, I just know what's going to happen sometimes yeah. they, they throw you off but a lot of the time it's really predictable i think but, sometimes in wwe that they, they also don't do the predictable like in the way where you're like no this was supposed to happen why why didn't that happen <laughs> yeah like kevin owens not winning the cena feud is a good example right, right you're just like but why did you make that like when it should be predictable and we expect this outcome they don't do it uh, yeah yeah they could be all over the place but what can you do thank you so much for you know you know just agreeing to be on the show making this a fantastic interview i want to just kind of end this on what, what would be you know do you have any like upcoming projects aside from the ones you've discussed, anything that's upcoming that you want to tell your fans about or tell, you know, the listening audience for those who aren't aware of you, or do you have any just final thoughts you'd like to share with us before we draw this to a close? Absolutely. Uh, I have a bunch of things going on right now, so I will share a little bit about that. Uh, as we've discussed the YouTube channel, just is constantly growing, which I am extremely thankful for, thankful for people like you for your support and having me, you know, do something like this. It's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, definitely follow me on YouTube, Matt Rivera TLC. I am uploading a whole bunch of new things and, I, and I'm starting to, with my YouTube channel, I really want to create something that has something for everyone. Oh, you mm-hmm. like video games? Yeah, I like video games too. Like it doesn't have to be pigeonholed to, oh, I'm just a wrestler, you know? Right. You yeah, like, yeah. Let's talk about music. You like, you know? And, and sometimes that's a little challenging because people are like, all right, but I don't know what to expect when I go there, which sometimes is a thing all its own. But anyway, so always going to be doing new music. If you haven't already, YouTube, um, Battles on Bars, that's a, my other channel. It's all about hip hop music. So if you're into that, definitely uh, join. But I do have a lot of new uh, kind of like mini series that I'm, will be debuting on the YouTube channel. So I decided at 5K, I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some different stuff. I wanna, you know, kind of expand on this even more. I did the wrestling road stories and then I came to a point uh, where I felt like that had ex- you know, exhausted its options. So I want to do cheap shots, which when I first kind of tested the waters, cheap shots was something I did where I just kind of showed like a cheap hack or a trick or something silly that I did. I oh, think right. I, yeah, I remember this. You know? yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. sometimes it'd be a little silly. It'd be a little comedic, but, but also like, no, it is something you should do. It might be a good idea. You know, <laughs> uh, like I think I, I went hitchhiking on one episode, but I decided to kind of use that to test the waters and then grow from there. But I'm bringing it back in a new way. What I'm going to do is watch other people who have been on extreme cheapskates and see their life hacks and then try them myself. 
so to that's, critique of the cheapskate. Yeah, I'm going to critique it, and I'm going to try it to see if it's BS, if it helps, if it's, you know. That's so, genius. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> that's what Cheap Shots is going to be. So one thing that people ask me about, and I wanted to wait until I felt like I needed new content to do this, is a weekly regular show just about what's going on in wrestling. I'm going to call it uh, Talk is Cheap. It just makes sense. Brilliant. Brilliant. And uh, since we're doing this, I'll even, you know, I'll throw it out there right now. I would love to have you be on the first episode. What it is, is I'm going, to to have, yeah, I'm going to have different people who uh, have podcasts, uh, wrestling enthusiasts, wrestlers, uh, former wrestlers, current wrestlers, referees, managers, like anybody who has knowledge of professional wrestling. I kind of want to ask questions, get input. I want it to look like a, uh, almost a uh, Knights of the Round Table of different talents that know wrestling that can hold the discussion. So, you know, we'll be talking about Raw, SmackDown, AEW, everything in between, but that's something that will be happening in the next couple of months. So I'll make sure I send you an invite for the first episode. And um, so it'll be much. just like similar forum where we're just shooting the shit and talking about what's going on in wrestling. I'll ask a few questions that maybe come up on the community page on YouTube and whatever. Um, so yeah, a lot of things going on. So make sure you subscribe, Matt Rivera, TLC on YouTube. I am the cheapest wrestler in the world. Make sure you subscribe to my channel. <laughs> Absolutely, subscribe, yeah. Subscribe to Matt Rivera. And, oh yeah, again, thank you very much for agreeing to appear on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you everyone listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and everywhere else that you're listening to me. I see that you're kind of listening to me everywhere, so it's a bit crazy. I hope everyone is enjoying the podcast on YouTube since we made the sort of jump to video as well. If you are listening to the podcast and you haven't actually seen those, I recommend just popping over to YouTube, have a little look, you get to actually see the guests. And uh, particularly in the case of Matt Rivera, I think it's worth actually seeing him because when someone is cutting a promo, you want to see the whole thing. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, uh, thank you to everyone that's been listening to the Christian Reeve podcast. And if you would like to appear on my podcast, please send a message, get in touch with me. I would love to have you on the show. I love doing this. It's definitely my favorite thing to do on this podcast is interview people. I just love it. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, peace out, one love. Ciao. Thanks for having me. <laughs>